0: Welcome to the Story Apothecary, a podcast filled with healing and medicinal stories. My name is Nana Tomova, and I'm a traditional storyteller and a pharmacist, and stories are medicines which I dispense. In this podcast, you'll find my prescriptions of stories for the body, mind, heart, soul, and for the earth. So I invite you to join me as we enter the healing world of stories
1: together. Hello
0: everyone, I hope that you are having a wonderful summer so far. The village where I live has its Highland Games today, so I'm hoping to record an episode before I go and watch them. It will be my first experience and I'm looking forward to it. And tomorrow I'm telling some stories under a beautiful lime tree by the river for the local people. It will be my first time telling in-person stories for quite a while, so I'm really looking forward to it. It doesn't seem to be any, any other storytellers in the county where I live, which is quite sad and quite strange,
1: but also perhaps really wonderful. So I hope that will be a beautiful afternoon. And
0: in a couple of weeks' time, I plan to tell the story of a handless maiden online and then we'll have a group discussion afterwards about some of the gifts of the story some of the meanings behind it not set in stone but very fluid and depending who's in the space for such a story
1: requires a good discussion that's what i've learned from my teachers
0: and so the story for today is a story well-known to a lot of people. Well, perhaps a version of the story is well-known to a lot of people. And I love this particular version, which comes from rural France, much before Charles Perrault wrote down his, his fairy tale specifically for adult readers of the upper class, though he was quite an influential civil servant of the court of Louis XIV, Louis XIV. And so, of course, the, the story was turned into something that it never was when it was passed down from, from lips to lips by the women who told it. And, of course, then Little Red Riding Hood became a different story, it became a story about being careful A story, a tale of of caution for naive girls. Girls who do not know any better. Girls who flick their eyelashes. And the story had a moral about real wolves and the dangers. But charming wolves who do not look like wolves after all. Smooth tongue and smooth of pelt and dangerous. And of course, such cautionary tales, where well, they were needed to ensure that the value of the bride at the point of marriage, her market value, shall we say, for this was marriage, organised between the father of the bride who owned her and the future husband of the bride who would then go to own her. And so a certain value in her virginity was very important. And so the story became twisted and confluenced, written down and set in stone, in order to achieve certain things which were important in assuring that girls became women who were well-behaved and never strayed in the wrong path and has a brilliant and beautiful article by Terry Windling about Little Red Riding Hood called The Path of Needles or The Path of Pins. And those who really enjoy reading into the history and folklore of stories will find her work mesmerising. So Little Red Riding Hood, which used to be known as The Grandmother's Tale, was a women's story story coming, of course, from the oral tradition. And it has a lot of the familiar things we know about it. But as you'll see, it's indeed very, very different. I hope you enjoy it. And it may not be suitable for very young listeners. Once a woman and her daughter, who lived in a little cottage at the edge of a forest. The daughter was in the spring of her years.
1: No more than thirteen summers old was she. They were happy, mother and daughter. The girl helped her mother around the kitchen. She knew her way
0: with thread and needle. She knew of all the things that were useful to sustain life in those days. She knew of herb and root. She knew of flour and water. How to make bread with yeast. How to make medicine from herbs. How to tell stories. How to sing songs. The girl had a grandmother. A grandmother who didn't live with them but lived at the edge of the woods, in a cottage by herself. She was a well-known woman. For, of course, women who live in cottages at the edge of woods are. They have frequent visitors who come with their problems. And she was the one that taught her granddaughter the wisdom of herbs and roots, of shoots and leaves their potent magic as the sun seeps his golden nectar into them. The richness of the soil, the necessity of the cool spring rain, all this she knew and more. And the young girl, it was at that time in her life when things were changing, her body becoming different,
1: colours seemed more nuanced, more detailed, brighter. Her skin felt
0: prickly from time to time. She felt more alive. She enjoyed spending time more outside by herself, walking the curious landscapes of her mind, which became vaster and vaster. She was beginning to have many questions, but with a grandmother and a mother such as her as well. The questions were answered. They were answered well. Whenever she asked something of her mother or her grandmother, the women did not become crimson in their faces. They did not brush the question under the carpet and send her off to do chores and activities that had no purpose, only to get rid of her discomfort. No, they sat her down by the fire. They drank tea, they told her stories, they laughed together, they were honest. They introduced her to the worlds of adulthood, grandmother adding a layer of what mother could not. They did so with warm hearts, with wise words, with sharp minds. One day, her mother called her into the kitchen, gave her a basket of freshly baked bread, and a pot of cream made just that day, and asked her to take them through the woods, to her grandmother's cottage, where it had been a few days since they could deliver food to her. There had been storms and rain. And of course the girl agreed. It was always a pleasure to go and visit her grandmother. She liked the time the two of them spent together, in front of the fire, Her grandmother would tell her stories, recount her tales, tell her how to read the weather, would tell her about the yarrow and the yew, about the heather and the hawthorn, about the elder and the mugwort, about the moss, about the birch and the beech, and from the plum tree that the grandmother had outside of her door. The girl would usually go back the basket full of plums when the season was ripe. And her mother and her would make them into sweet jam. She loved spending time with her grandmother. And so on this particular day, she went off, enjoying the scent of the forest. It was springtime. The blossom was everywhere. The scent of rose and jasmine. The birds were singing. The woodland was alive. She walked upon... Soft moss, she caressed the feathery ferns for her hands. She could hear the whispering of the aspen leaves as the wind flew through them. And as she was walking, she heard footsteps. And as she looked up, in front of her was a werewolf, standing big and tall, and hairy, in his wolf form. Where are you going? he asked the girl. And what do you carry in your basket? And the girl looked at the werewolf straight in his eyes. I'm going to my
1: grandmother's house, she said. I'm bringing her bread. I'm bringing her cream. The wolf said, and what path will you take? Are you going to take the path of needles? Or the path of pins?
0: I'll take the path of needles, said the girl. Well then, very well. I'll take the path of pins, he said,
1: and we'll see who gets there first. Very well, said the girl. And she carried on walking, not too long after. Her path split in two. To the left, the path of pins. To the right, the path of needles. And she took the right-hand path and carried on walking. She knew that both
0: paths eventually would converge and would lead to the same place, the place of her grandmother's house. She meandered, walking slowly, recounting the stories about the flowers and the plants that her grandmother had told her, enjoying the coolness of the woodland, sitting in dappled shade, dancing with the wind, whereas the werewolf He walked straight into the house
1: of her grandmother. He didn't bother to knock on the door. He went straight in. And the grandmother, sitting
0: on her rocking chair where she normally did, spinning her yarn as
1: she usually did, didn't even look up. Ah, she said. I've been expecting you. The
0: werewolf pounced on her. He bore his teeth and dug his claws in. It didn't take long for life to leave her body.
1: He ate her flesh. He tore it from the bone. He drank her blood. Deep. He finished eating all her flesh, but a small portion. He finished drinking all her blood, but a small sip.
0: Which he put in a small glass bottle, and he put it in a pantry,
1: and next to the bottle the morsel of flesh he put in the little dish, and closed the door behind him. And
0: then the werewolf dressed in his in the girl's grandmother's clothes,
1: and climbed into bed, pretending to be ill and weak. Not too long after, The girl arrived. She knocked on the door, was welcomed in,
0: and was concerned to see her grandmother in bed. Nevertheless, she greeted her grandmother. Went in with a smile. Mother sent me here with freshly baked bread and cream.
1: I welcome my child, the grandmother, who was a well wolf, said. Come in. Put them in the pantry. Are you hungry? Yes, I am, grandmother, she said.
0: I've walked quite far. And open the pantry, she said. And there you will see a little bit of meat. Take it. Cook it. Are you thirsty? She asked. I am, grandmother. Next to the meat, you find a little a little bottle full of wine. You're old enough to drink this now. Come on, take it out. And have a sip. The young girl took the meat out, took a pan and put it on the fire. She put the meat of her grandmother upon that fire until it began to sizzle. She began
1: to taste the meat, to eat the meat. She swallowed it down and as she did,
0: a little cat popped up and cried You're eating the flesh of your grandmother. You're eating the flesh of your grandmother. The werewolf, pretending to be the grandmother, said, Throw your shoe at this noisy cat. And so the girl obliged. She took her left shoe
1: and she threw it at the cat. Then the girl took the little bottle of wine and began to drink deeply. The wine was... Smooth and thick. You're drinking the blood of your grandmother. You're
0: drinking the blood of your grandmother, a small bird cried. Take your shoe and throw it at this noisy bird, said the werewolf. And the girl
1: took her other shoe and threw it at the bird. When she had finally finished her meal, she felt full and sleepy. And heavy. Are you tired from your long journey, child? Asked the werewolf. I am, grandmother, she said. Then come. Take off your clothes. Come to bed. And I shall warm you up. Well, I shall have put my apron, grandmother. I'll throw
0: it in the fire, child. You won't need it anymore. And so... The girl took off her apron, and threw it in the fire. And where should I put my bodice, grandmother? Throw it in the fire, for you won't need it any
1: more. And the girl took off her bodice, and threw it in the hot flames. And where should I put my skirt, grandmother? Throw it in the fire, for you won't need it any more. And so the girl did. And where shall I put my petticoat? She asked the werewolf. Throw it in the fire. For you won't need it any more. And where shall I put my stockings, grandmother? Throw those in the fire too. For you won't need them any more. And each item she threw in the fire, and watched it burn. And the girl entered in the bed, next to the werewolf dressed, as her grandmother. Oh, grandmother! She said. Oh, how how hairy you are! I'll oh, better
0: to keep you warm with, my child. And oh, grandmother, what big arms you have! I'll oh, better to hold you close with, my dear. Oh, grandmother, what big ears you have! Or better to hear you with my child. Oh, grandmother,
1: what sharp teeth you have! Better to eat you with my child. Now come,
0: come, lie beside me. And the girl snuggled in just for a moment, but her heart was beating. Something ringing in her ears, she knew. She had that feeling inside her belly that something wasn't quite right. She was her grandmother's
1: granddaughter, after all. Grandmother, she said. I will, but first I must go and relieve myself.
0: I'll do it in the bed, my child. I cannot do it in the bed, grandmother. I need to go and relieve myself. I need to go outside. Then go outside, said the werewolf. But... Mind that you come back again, quickly. I'll be waiting, and just to make sure that you'll be back. Tie this thread to your ankle, so I know just where you are.
1: And the girl obliged. She went outside, naked. She could feel the wind upon her skin.
0: She took the woolen thread from her grandmother's knitting she tied it to her ankle, and the other end the werewolf kept. He pulled on it just to make sure it was nice and taut. The girl went outside. Gently and quickly, working nimbly with her fingers, she untied the end to her ankle and tied it round one of the branches of the plum tree, and then she ran she ran as quickly as her feet could take it over the leaves, over the moss, over to the river, and the werewolf, waiting in the cottage,
1: grew impatient. Have you finished yet, my child? Silence. Nothing. And again, he waited, and again he called. Are you watering the grass? Are you feeding the plants? Just... singing of the birds, just the meowing of the cat. No answer from the girl. And so he leapt from the bed and followed the thread and found her gone. Angry,
0: the werewolf began to chase over Heather and Heathland. He ran. He ran and he followed in her footsteps. And the girl, the girl's heels, hit upon the soft moss. Of a moss and marsh she ran, o'er the forest and flood until she reached the river, and there in the river were six washerwomen. Washing the sheets, the laundry of the people in the village, singing and washing their hands in the river. Help me, said the girl. Help me, I have a werewolf chasing me. Come this way, said the washerwomen. And them taking large linen and all four sides, they dipped it in the river and sprang it in the air and pulled it taut. And as they pulled it taut, they let the girl climb onto it and transported her safely on the other side of the river, on the other side of the forest. The werewolf was on her footsteps. And he reached the river also and saw the washerwomen singing, doing laundry. They saw him, not a shock in their faces. Help me, he said. I am looking after a girl. Has she gone this way? Has she passed this way? Oh, yes, they said she did. Help me cross over the river, he said. Come this way, they said. And again they dipped that large laundry sheet and pulled it taut. And as the werewolf climbed upon it, they carried it to the middle of the river where the water was deep and dark. And then all six of them dropped the sheet all at once and the werewolf plunged beneath the waters until he could no longer be seen and
1: drowned. And the girl made her way back home, safely. The story to tell her mother The girl who had met the whale wolf in the forest, who had chosen
0: the path of needles, who had taken in her grandmother's flesh, her grandmother's blood, her grandmother's wisdom and spirit in her body. had crossed the river safely onto the other side, no longer a girl, but a woman. is something so different about this version of the oral story which was lost when the story was written down and the main thing is that there doesn't need to be a woodcutter to save the girl she is clever enough to do it herself she recognizes the danger she knows what kind of predicament she's in and the best excuse she has to go and relieve herself outside And so she plans for the escape, aided not by the masculine, the man who rescues a woman, but by the washerwomen, by the river,
1: who lend her a hand. And so in many respects, this story is a, a woman's story. The red cloak,
0: the red cap, which later in was Superimposed in the story, I believe, was never there at the beginning. And the only red which is in the story is the red of blood.
1: The red of the blood which she drinks as wine. But also the red that comes when a girl gets a certain age, just as in the story. It is the red which makes a girl
0: become a young woman. And although the age of 13 seems so young to us today, we need to remember that hundreds of years ago, 13 wasn't that young. Girls weren't seen as girls at the age of 13, and a lot more was expected of them. One really curious part of the story is, of course, choosing between the two paths the path of needles and the path of pins. And I believe that in some version, the girl chooses the path of needles, and in others, she chooses the path of pins. And I think there has been quite a lot of debate between folklorists about what these two paths mean. Of course, pins and needles would have been very familiar to women in those days. They would have been used to make clothes, to make cloth, to hold things together while sewing. And it was a constant part of women's labour of how to spend your days in the 18th, 19th centuries and the eras before too. And such work, women's work, as it used to be believed, was done communally in a large room round the evening fire with stories, with songs, with gossip. There is an academic, however, a woman called Yvonne Verdier, who disagreed on this. And I found this recorded in Terry Windling's blog. And it's fascinating. Verdier has studied the traditions and folklore of rural France, where many of the oral versions have come from of the story. And well, she found that girls at a certain age, around 13, 14, whenever puberty might hit, would spend a whole winter with a seamstress in the local village. And it was a passage of time which marked a girl's change from being a girl to being a woman. And this passage of time had not much to do with with needles and with sewing, as with refining oneself or learning how to adorn herself, how to dress up how to be herself in the world. And this apparently was called gathering of pins. After this time, around the age of 15, they would go dancing, they would have sweethearts, and the pin used to be the symbol of this. And it is said that boys would offer dozens of pins to the girls as courtship, and pins would be thrown by girls to fountains, accepting that courtship and accepting being their sweetheart. And so it is thought that pins marked that path of maidenhood, of adorning oneself, of courtship, whereas needles implied sexual maturity, for the needles have an eye through which the thread passes, and it was thought. But in folklore, maybe this refers to a sexual symbolism. Now if his talk of pins and needles and sewing and dressmaking and thread reminds you of spindles and distaffs, well, he wouldn't be wrong. There is something about that story that reminds me of this. And in particular, I'm thinking of the story of A Sleeping Beauty where all the spindles in the whole kingdom are forbidden, and of course at a certain age as she is approaching puberty. Womanhood. She goes to see the wise woman, picks up a spindle, is shown how to work it, pricks her finger, and there the blood appears. And when she goes to sleep, she wakes up. A woman. There are many, many different versions And this is a different story for a different episode. But there is something about the symbolism of these tools, of these objects, which are so special and sacred in women's work, which lead a girl, a child, to become a woman. And of course, the other really curious act in the story, shocking perhaps, is the act where... The granddaughter eats the flesh and blood of her grandmother. This ritual act, the sacrificial act, a physical incorporation of the grandmother by her granddaughter. We can think about this as literal, what happens in the seen world. But we can also think about it as metaphor, what happens in the unseen world of stories. We can think about her symbolically as the granddaughter taking something in of her grandmother, her essence, her wisdom. For isn't it that every generation carries something in them of generations past? And as the girl grows up, she carries something within her always of her grandmother guiding her through the ages, guiding her through puberty, into womanhood, into adulthood, through that threshold to the other side of the river and maybe through that eating, that drinking. Something in her nose, something in her body's senses, what is the right thing to do, what is the right thing to say. She has heart, she has nerve, she speaks, she does, she acts. She is not scared to name the profane, she does anything to rescue
1: herself. Her grandmother was no fool. And as the girl leaves the cottage and goes to the river and is met by the washerwomen, the laundresses. They aid the girl to pass. Helping her to
0: escape. Rescuing her. And then they drown the wolf. Taking his life. And again, maybe this could be thought of. The women's role in the village. They were the midwives. They saw births. They aided new life coming into this world. But also... They were at the gates of death. They were the ones that would wash the bodies of the deceased in the village.
1: The same hands would welcome birth and death. And so perhaps this story is a celebration of coming of a certain age, is a celebration of the knowing of a woman we of a girl-protting womanhood, of trusting her instincts, of allowing a community of women to help, and of not having to be rescued by a man. Women are very able and capable of rescuing themselves. And I think this is a beautiful reminder of his tale.
0: It is a tale of women's sexuality, of women's courage and of women's wisdom. like to listen to more women's stories then join me for the Handless Maiden workshop on the 14th of September, followed by a rich discussion. It will be wonderful. Details can be found on my website and I'll put the link below. If you enjoy this podcast, then consider supporting me on Patreon. Otherwise, feel free to buy me a coffee at Kofi. You can also share this podcast on social media and leave me a five star review on iTunes or Spotify. this for the beautiful music and thank you to you for joining me I wish you a wonderful month I'll see you again very soon in a story about the story of Apothecary goodbye for now